people are frustrated and bummed that they can't race in the near future. But I do think that people are going to be really motivated and ready to go and really put things on their bucket list and really train hard once we get the green light. If healthcare is broken, who's working to fix it? I'm Dr. Charles O'Malley. And I'm Dr. Justin Geisinger. This is More Than Medicine. All right, Justin, More Than Medicine is back. Uh, A little hiatus there due to uh, coronavirus causing some disruptions. Uh, Everything going okay with your family? Oh, we're hanging in there. Good. Everybody's healthy. Excellent. That's the main thing. Us too. So uh, it's good. To, uh, it's good to be back doing this, uh, doing it remotely now. So this is kind of, of course, uh, emphasize that. Right. Exactly. So this is a little bit of uncharted territory for us, but hopefully uh, the sound quality and everything is good for everyone listening out there. Uh, so speaking of coronavirus uh, disruptions. Um, one of the big things that has been disrupted is the race community, whether it be running, biking, swimming, or doing all three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so today uh, we get to talk to Allison Crydevice, uh, who is the co-founder and head coach of the Empire Tri Club, uh, and that's in New York City. Uh, she is a two-time member of Team USA's AG National Triathlon Team. Uh, so she's an accomplished triathlete. Um, She's been a USAT All-American. She's competed in the Ironman 70.3 World Championships, as well as the Olympic Distance ITU World Triathlon Championships. So as an athlete, she's no joke. Uh, And even as a coach uh, and a trainer uh, and running the Empire Triathlon Club, uh, she is pretty impressive as well. Yeah, and back in 2014, she was named the best personal trainer on competitor.com. Her resume is also pretty impressive that she's been featured in Fitness Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Fox News, uh, Tri Magazine, and the Active Times, Well and Good, and more. Yeah, so quite a resume there, and we get to talk about kind of how her club is, uh, is still succeeding in these uncertain times and what people are doing in the absence of races. So uh, we hope everyone enjoys it and learns a little bit about how to keep training and keep moving forward, whether you're an athlete, a business person, or both. Enjoy. All right. So here we have Allison Crydevice. Did I get that right? Or close enough? <laughs> yeah. Okay, and uh, so we're really excited to talk to you today uh, about your Empire Triathlon Club. Um, it's just uh, you know something that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a long time. Uh, you know my wife Amanda, um, and you know she's been constantly telling me about all the awesome things you've been doing, and just kind of over the years, I've been always kind of keeping this in the back of my head. I'm like, oh, I really want to talk to Allison. I think this is really cool. And so I'm super excited to finally get the chance to, uh, to make this happen. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to meet with us. Yes, thank you. I'm very honored. Appreciate it. <laughs> so Amanda has a, a great story. The kind of way I got introduced to you was, uh, so you guys know each other from Bucknell University, uh, where you played soccer. And uh, Amanda tells this story uh, about how, you know, one day you guys are talking and, and Amanda used to play soccer uh, as well, but she did not play at Bucknell. And she was talking to you and saying, 
oh man, are you, you know, are you getting ready for preseason? And you just like without hesitation go, I love preseason. And Amanda just could not believe that because she's like, who likes preseason? Like to her, that was like the worst and you were super excited. So it doesn't surprise me that with that mindset, you are this amazing triathlete. You just love, uh, you know, being active and, and doing your thing. So I, I just, I don't know, that story always kind of stuck with me and, and I thought it was kind of cool. I was probably just psyching myself up mentally for it. <laughs> Uh, so the way we kind of have been starting this season off is uh, a pretty general question, but uh, I think certainly now, um, uh, more than ever, it kind of takes on a little different meaning. Um, so kind of what does me, what does being healthy mean to you? It's always meant just being active, being healthy, doing things in balance, doing things in moderation, um, and I think a big part of it that's especially prevalent right now is also take care, taking care of your mental health, which um, is just as important as taking care of your physical health. And I think it often gets neglected. And I think right now more than ever, because of all these social distancing and quarantine regulations in place, people who tend to be introverted and don't, who don't have a strong support network can tend to feel very isolated. And I think it's more important now than ever to take care of your mental health and realize that that is just as an important part of being healthy as physically active, like being outside running and biking. I think it's really important to stay engaged in your community and make sure that you build that strong support network. Um, you know, and, and now it's just really prevalent. Okay. And, and, what is Empire's role or Empire Triathlon Club's role in that now? Yeah, or better question is, how has that role changed? Ah, good. Uh, in recent so, weeks. Yeah, no, I mean, our, our club, we, we typically work out together as a team in Central Park or other parts of New York City four to five days a week. So having that removed from us, we've been trying to keep the focus on how can we maintain that sense of community and camaraderie and accountability when we can't physically see each other and host in-person team events. And we've been doing that through Zoom sessions, through programs like Zwift and Ruby, which are online cycling, um, kind of like computer games where you can actually bike as a team on a, a computer program. So we've been hosting sessions through that. We've created a new team app. We're just trying to keep the conversation going and be as supportive to our athletes and have them be as supportive to each other as we possibly can, because we don't want people feeling like they're in this alone and they're, um, you know, they're really lacking the motivation or, or the desire to get out there and, and participate. So we're just trying to, you know, foster that sense of camaraderie. Excellent. And, and is that primarily through social media or what are your ven venues for doing that? So it's through social media. Actually, the, the timing kind of worked out perfectly for us with the sense that we launched a new team communication app through, um, it's called Cohort. And we have a team, uh, we were basically using the Cohort platform to create a, a team uh, a, a group on there and we use that for it's basically like instant messaging it's very similar to whatsapp but it's very team focused where you can also create team events there's a, a a message thread you can send individual messages you can send messages to the entire team um you can also post team challenges you can post team races 
Uh, we hosted like our first ever virtual 10K and people were able to communicate and kind of give kudos and, and support one another uh, through that cohort platform. We use social media as well just to, you know, reach out to a broader audience, but not everybody is on every social media channel and not everybody likes making everything public to people who they don't know. So through cohort, we're able to keep that team communication internal a little bit, which give pe gives people a little bit more of a comfort level to share, which has been great. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you've been getting some positive feedback with all that then? Like, oh, hey, I love the uh, Wednesday morning uh, Zwift uh, workout, or I I'm just throwing that out there as an example. Like, is there certain things that you've been hearing people really look forward to in a training week? Yeah, we, um, since this started, we've started hosting a Tuesday morning strength training class, which um, I've been leading so far. We're going to have some of the other coaches kind of mix in and, and start leading those as well, uh, which people really look forward to. It's, it's a fun morning that kind of I look forward to. I know some of my teammates look forward to. Uh, we've been hosting, we've been trying to stick with our group training schedule that we would typically host outdoors as much as we can through virtual events. So we've always had a Monday night ride. So now we host our Monday night ride on Swift. We've always had a workout called Hardcore on Tuesdays. And now we host that through Zoom, uh, which is our strength training class. So we're really trying to stick with as consistent a schedule as we can. Obviously, we can't host swims right now. So we're trying to just um, offer additional strength training workouts or virtual team challenges and invite guest speakers or you know, physical therapists, chiropractors, nutritionists, to come in and do something in place of the days that we would typically host a swim workout, um, just because there's really not a great way to replicate what you can do in a pool if you don't have a pool. So um, just trying to mix that up a little bit. And there, there has been great response. I mean, I think it's been frustrating that some of the athletes who don't have particular pieces of equipment can't participate in all of the virtual functions that we're offering. We're still making it a point to offer something every single day that you can do with virtually no equipment or nothing new. Like everybody in the program would have a bicycle. So we're posting rides that can be done outdoors. And in addition to that, we're hosting the Zwift rides so that if you do have an indoor trainer, you can participate in a group ride through the computer platform. But um, obviously not everybody has a trainer and can't participate in those. So we're, we're doing the best we can and trying to offer something at least a handful of things each week that everybody can participate in. No, that's excellent to, to so, give people options. And also along the, those lines there with scheduling. Now, obviously you probably had some seasonality to all this before certain races that were coming up that you might've been working towards. Uh, are you guys still like working towards like, is there a big event later on or is it now a shift to a focus of like virtual races or has that changed dra dramatically now too? It has, and it's still a big question because a lot of um, race organizers are, their races are technically still on the calendar. They haven't officially canceled them yet. And therefore we do need to continue building towards those events in the event that they do happen. I feel like until we get the official notice of cancellation, it's hard to really scratch something off the calendar. So I'd say currently the race that we're training towards is the New York City Triathlon, which is in July. You know, 
as of now, I had a conversation with the race director last week. As of now, the race is still on and they're making tons of modifications with regards to social distancing policies to ensure a safe event and also to ensure, um, for example, like even if people are allowed to jump in the Hudson on July 19th and complete the swim portion of the race, if nobody's been able to practice swimming leading up to it, is that putting athletes mm. in danger? Mm. And, you know, they're coming up with different alternatives, like will they offer an option to not do the swim or to do a shortened swim? Um, are they going to be offering things like virtual race, race briefings instead of having to go and being in a room, be in a room with a hundred people to listen to the in-person race briefings. So there's, there's a ton being discussed right now. I mean, in, in my opinion, I don't know that New York is going to be ready in July to put on a 4,000 person race, but we're going off of what's been the information given to us thus far, which is that the race is still going on. Um, it, when we learn differently, we'll, we'll make amendments to the calendar, you know, to the training schedule. Um, but I guess what the tricky thing is with, with the, um, the unknown factor of races, it, many of the races are not just being flat out canceled. They're potentially being postponed, which leads to a much longer race season than otherwise anticipated. So we're really trying to bring the focus on, injury prevention and just base building right now so that people aren't peaking too early in their season and then either risking injury or risking burnout by the time maybe later season races end up happening in September, October, November. Uh, we don't really know. So we're just kind of playing it by, by ear, but we're really trying to focus on just trying to keep people active and consistent and not necessarily overdoing it at this point in the season because we don't want people getting injured before, um, before the races happen. Yeah. I think that's such an important thing right now is, it, you know, like for us, we're, you know, like Justin, I know you have a, a couple younger athletes and you're like, Hey, you know, what are you training for? Like, let's dial it back a little bit, focus on, on the basics and really build that foundation. Cause that's only going to serve you better moving forward. I, I think that's awesome. Um, cause you know, everyone wants to go, go, go or do nothing. You know, it's, it's like nobody wants to be in that middle ground. And I think that's so great that you're really preaching that middle ground. Uh, I, I think that's wonderful from a mental standpoint, where do you find your athletes at as far as either maybe they were scheduled to do something that's been canceled or that uncertainty, like where, where's their mindset? Uh, and, and how do you address that? I mean, I think there's a mix. I think clearly some people are really bummed. I think everybody's understanding of the situation. I don't think anybody's questioning decisions that are made in terms of like, why are you canceling your race? I think it's, it's pretty understood. Uh, I mean, I think most people so far seem pretty positive and upbeat about things. It's also relatively new in, you know, how long this could potentially last. So maybe it's too soon to tell like whether people's you know opinions of the situation and mental state is going to change over time as this potentially takes months and months and months to you know to to work itself out and return to some form of normalcy um but so far i mean i feel like people have been very supportive of one another and really helpful to teammates in terms of keeping engagement high and, and keeping people, you know, motivated to, to stay active and, 
to post like, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to go for a run. I know we can't run together, but maybe we all go run at 6 PM just so that we know that we're all out there suffering together. Or, you know, if we're posting a strength workout for the day, a bunch of people will set up like a little FaceTime and be like, all right, we're going to do it on our lunch break. Let's, let's all FaceTime at noon to do it together. So even if we're not hosting an official team thing, I do think that people are still engaging with one another, which has been helpful just for like everybody's mental, mental state right now. And hopefully it remains that way until we can get back to some form of, of normalcy with racing, but, but we'll see. (laughs) I do think in the long run, people will like, I think the community is very resilient in that yeah, people are frustrated and bummed that they can't race in the near future. But I do think that people are going to be really motivated and ready to go and really put things on their bucket list and really train hard once we get the green light that races are are back happening. Because I think everyone's going to have all that pent up energy and realize that maybe these races that we took for granted for so long, because you could just sign up for anything, maybe it's going to like light that fire and spark inside of people to like really want to to like, you know, PR, set a new record, like pursue a new distance or like do something crazy that they've never done before because there's no, it's no given that these races will be on the calendar. That and they're going to have the biggest, strongest base they've ever had. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. I also love the creativity that I've been hearing coming out of the athletes in general, uh, athletes at large across the country. I don't know if you guys saw just this morning in the New York Times, there was an article about a guy who ran a 100-mile race in his, like, 940-square-foot apartment. Yeah. Like, he said it was pretty much a shuffle. So then he went and he bought a treadmill. So he's done, I think, seven more 100-mile runs on his treadmill since buying it in the past couple of weeks. Like, wow. Yeah, we have a, a few of those crazies on our team, actually. Uh, we, we started creating virtual badges for things that people have started to, to do. So one of them is the indoor century ride badge, where if you do 100 miles on your indoor trainer, we'll send you a badge of completion, which is like a sticker. Where you know, we yeah. People are motivated to do it. If yeah. they've got the hours, they're like, hey, you know, if, if I'm going to do 60, might as well do another 40 and call right. it. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it's funny you mentioned that cause uh, you know, I've always heard that, you know, runners are kind of crazy. People who swim are kind of crazy. Bikers are kind of crazy, but if you're willing to do all three, that's like a special brand of crazy. <laughs> um, w- would you agree with that? Uh, is that what you find or, you know, or do you find most of the people you're working with are just like looking for that next challenge? We get a total mix. We definitely have those hardcore athletes that are, you know, like I've, I've no experience with this. I'm going to do an Ironman. Like, okay, well let's start with a sprint. Let's start with an Olympic. I think there is this generalization when people think triathlon, they automatically picture the Ironman in Hawaii, which is the world championships where people are crawling across the finish line at midnight. And there's a lot in between your first sprint triathlon and the Ironman distance world championships. So I do think that by introducing like our beginner try program and saying, okay, this is 12 weeks to your first sprint and really outlining what a sprint is. A sprint is like a quarter to a half mile swim 
it's usually a 10 to a 15 mile bike ride and about a three mile run, which is very, very doable for most people with 12 weeks of training. So it's not this huge lengthy, lengthy commitment. It's not this like, you know, you don't have to have a crazy strong background in any of the three sports in order to complete it. And it's amazing how many people I talk to who are like, oh, a triathlon, like, you know, maybe after my marathon, I'll do a triathlon. And the reality is a marathon might take somebody four to five hours to complete. And a sprint triathlon will probably take you an hour to an hour and a half. So when you look at it that way, it's actually much more taxing on your body and a lot crazier to do a full marathon than it is to do a triathlon. But because of the three sports involved, it gets this reputation of being a lot crazier than I think it is. <laughs> yeah. And, and for, for anyone out there who's not familiar with triathlon, can you explain the different distances, sprint, Olympic, half, Ironman, full Ironman, and then even ultra? Sure. Um, so sprint, as I just described, is the shortest distance. There's no real set distance of a sprint, but it's typically about a quarter mile swim, a 10 to 15 mile bike, and a three mile run. The next, the next distance up is called the Olympic. That's actually the distance they do in the Olympics. So uh, I don't know if that's where it actually got its name from or not, but um, the Olympic distance is a just under a mile swim. It's a 1500 meter swim. It's a 25 mile bike ride and a 10 kilometer run. So a 6.2 mile run. Uh, the jump up from that is a half iron, which is a 1.2 mile swim. It's a 56 mile bike ride and a 13.1 mile run. And then an Ironman is double that. So you're doing a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a full marathon, 26.2 mile run. So yeah, and there's there's different time, you know, cutoffs for each of the events. And within the event, there's cutoffs for each of the disciplines. So for, for example, the full Ironman, you have 17 hours to complete it. It starts at 7 a.m. I think they all typically start at 7 a.m. And then you have until midnight. That's like the hard cutoff. You've got to cross the finish line before midnight. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction because, uh, you know, again, like you said, everyone just immediately goes to, to Ironman and, uh, you know, that great clip of I don't know whoever it is but just his body breaking down at the finish line I mean everyone knows that that clip so uh so thank you for for going through that um let's talk about you for a little bit because you are also a very accomplished uh triathlete so you know I don't want it to sound like you're just sitting behind a desk and and pulling the strings here you're a really good athlete um <laughs> so you. um you know there's a, a great story you have in, in your bio uh, about how um, you competed in the Olympic distance uh, ITU World Triathlon Championships 12 weeks after uh, having your son. Uh, <laughs> you placed 33rd in your age group and 10th overall for American women. So that's ridiculous. And, and like, <laughs> there's you. many layers of that story that are ridiculous. So <laughs> how did you do that? So the way that these events work is that you have to qualify and you qualify by attending the national championships the year before. So I attended with literally no goal in mind whatsoever. I had zero expectations. I had no, like, anyways, long story short, at the, at the national championships, I 
ended up earning a qualifying spot. I came in, I was the, the last athlete to earn a qualifying spot for Team USA. So um, 18 athletes, the, the top 18 athletes in each age group qualify, I came in 18th. Um, you have to go to uh, like a, a, a spot claiming ceremony, like an award ceremony, and you have to decide on the spot, am I going to take it or am I not? And you put down a deposit for the world championships. Oh, man. So I didn't really have the time to, to think about this, like uh, think it through because I wasn't really anticipating being in that scenario. So I took it and, you know, I qualified in August. The race wasn't until the following September. So I had a little over a year to prepare. And in the interim, I got pregnant. So as I got pregnant, (laughs) what's that? Congratulations on that. (laughs) Thank you. So, you know, when I was kind of doing the math and thinking things over, I was pretty active. I was very fortunate through my pregnancies to be, um, relatively symptom free. Like they went pretty well. I was healthy. Uh, and I, I remained active all the way up until the end. Um, literally teaching spin classes until the week I gave birth. And I think an open water swim clinic put me into labor. So, um, (laughs) I, when I was doing the math, I was kind of like, all right, well, if I have a natural birth and don't have a C-section and I have him early or on time, I might have enough time to actually participate in the event. And fortunately things kind of worked out and I had a really easy recovery and I followed everything that my doctor said. I didn't like jump right into things the next week, but when you have enough of a base, you know, taking a couple months off from doing particular sports in a particular way, isn't going to greatly impact you. So fortunately, like, you know, I took six weeks off after having the baby and then slowly got back into it. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this. And I went down again with no expectations, just, we'll see how, we'll see how this goes. My goal is to cross the finish line. And I was just kind of on fire that day. (laughs) I think I just had a really, really good race. Maybe it was just a really long taper. I was just really rested (laughs) all those months of, months of, uh, pregnancy. Who knows? Now they, they say exercise during pregnancy is really good for the baby's brain development. So is your son like super smart? Uh, he's a, he's a smart kid. Good at right. good, good, yeah. He's, he's a smart little cookie. Um, but one of the things that I actually had researched and felt like I noticed this personally was in the during pregnancy and up until twelve to fourteen weeks after you give birth, you have a, an increased amount of blood in your system. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like natural blood doping. Ooh. Obviously I didn't intend for that to be like a side effect going right. into the championships. <laughs> but I think that's why I actually did well because your perceived exertion level is relatively low, but you're able to output a lot of um, power and, and you're, you're able to do well because you have so much extra blood in your system. Kind of like uh, with these Tour de France riders. <laughs> do but you know clearly they're not doing it the legal way and also me being male having no ability to say anything about the pain (laughs) but i would think that you going through labor it gives you a whole new level of pain tolerance too Uh, oh yeah maybe helped with that so (laughs) oh yeah i yeah you won't hear any argument from justin and i that women are way tougher than men so Um, (laughs) it's a given 
Oh, totally. Um, there's a, a documentary I was watching. It was about CrossFit. And uh, there was one woman in there who was like doing her CrossFit workouts while pregnant. And uh, then, you know, she goes into labor or whatever. And she says, yeah, this is just another workout. Like, that's how she looked at it was just like, yeah, this is just more training because it's it's work. You know, yeah. so. I mean, it's all about what your what level of activity you did in a particular Definitely. sport going into it. Like I did four triathlons pregnant. Wow. Granted, wow. I've been doing triathlons for 20 years. Sure. So when so, I did them, I, I did them as like, I'm going to just have fun. I'm going to wave to my friends. I, I did one with my cousin. I did. I didn't do them at any sort of high exertion level where I was like, you know, hammering as hard as I could go. All of them, I, I kind of, I was signed up already. I paid already. It was a team event, so I had to be there anyways. So I kind of treated it as like a way that I could do the race with my teammates and just have fun with it and take all the pressure off. Like don't wear a watch, don't wear a power meter, just like a hundred percent do this for fun. And yeah. So those races were a lot of fun because there was zero pressure. (laughs) Yeah. That's yeah. No, that's a great way to look at it. Um, now how did you get into triathlon? Right. Cause we talked about how you have a background in soccer. Uh, like how did you get into that? So the first race I ever did, uh, a friend at the time said, Hey, there's a triathlon tomorrow. Do you want to do it? (laughs) And I said, yes. So I had zero training. Like, I mean, I was on the track team. I was on the soccer team. I swam in high school. So it's not that I wasn't experienced with any of the sports, but I didn't specifically sign up and say in 12 weeks, I'm going to do a race. Let me train for it. I just did it. I I borrowed a bike. I didn't I was going to say did you like show up with a huffy with a ba- with a basket on the front? Oh know, yeah, like I wore Umbro's Umbro's nice. and a tie-dye t-shirt. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I just it was a much more lax, low-key atmosphere then in terms of triathlon. I think as it's evolved, it's gotten a little bit more serious. The guidelines have become a little bit stricter. You can't just like give somebody a bib and say, "Here, do the race." Like sign up as me or whatever. So you wouldn't be able to do that necessarily today. And even at the time we, we did it as a team and we asked the race director like, Hey, can our group of friends go at the end instead of with our age group so we can be together? And they were like, yeah, sure. So it was, it wasn't this like hardcore, extremely regimented, stressful race setting it was like a very lax like we're doing this with our friends we're gonna have a party in the parking lot after and um just try something new and then over time I got a little bit more serious into it and you know I that kind of happened after college when uh, I started working for a, a triathlon store and and was like their project manager so I, I started becoming um friends with a lot more triathletes that I remember when I started working there, I was like, one girl came in who was one of the sponsored athletes of the store and was like, oh yeah, like, you know, we were talking about Thanksgiving plans and she's like, well, I'm going to run 13 miles in the morning. And my jaw dropped. I'm like, people just run 13 miles in the morning. Like I'm going to run my local 5k at a jog. Like you guys are crazy. And then eventually you just like become the crazy. <laughs> you, you hang around them long enough and, and sure. that's like, it becomes the norm. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. 
And then, so you do triathlon, you're loving it. Where does Empire Triathlon Club come from? How does that get started? So it was um, my cousin and I, she had just had a baby and I was currently working a job that I didn't love. I, um, I had left the triathlon store to um, work at a, a, a gym and I, it was great experience in that it, it got me from like the back end to the front side of things where I got certified as a personal trainer. I got experience teaching group fitness classes, um, you know, managing staff and whatnot, but it never really felt like my own. I always felt like I was kind of like a slave to my client's schedules and I, it was very fragmented. Like I felt like I was just kind of like piecing things together all over the place. And the commute wasn't great and the hours weren't great. The hours of a personal trainer are just very tricky. It's like you're taking 5 a.m. clients and then you're also taking clients that want to work out at 8 or 9 p.m. And you have these large gaps in the middle of your day. So I'm like, what can I want to work for myself? I want to build my own schedule. I want to figure out how I can work in the city in my own community instead of commuting out to New Jersey to work at, um, work at the gym. So my cousin who has a background in business management and, and startup companies, she approached me and was like, I'm looking to get back to work after, you know, having a baby and, you know, would you want to do something together? And the original idea of empire was to create kind of a community hub and have, have it be more of a bike storage facility near central park where athletes could have a physical space to come to. And also we would make money off of like the bike rental space because New York city apartments are tiny and people don't always have room for one, let alone multiple bicycles in their space. That kind of evolved to be like, well, we don't, after a while we realized we don't want to deal with the real estate. We don't want to have to be paying rent and dealing with like landlord issues and whatnot. So let's keep it as more of a virtual club and partner with indoor facility spaces. So it's, it kind of evolved to be more of the club only. And then from there we started doing training camps. We started doing the beginner program. We've um, one of our most successful programs is the open water swim clinic series, which which teaches people how to practice swimming in the ocean before their big race so that they have some um, swim practice in like a real race setting and those grew from like the first couple of years, we only had 20 people at them. And now every one of our events is a hundred plus athletes and we close the beaches down. We have our own lifeguards. We have 10 plus coaches. So those wow. have become these like huge events and um, our training camps too. Like we started just, uh, you know, hosting a handful of people in Martha's Vineyard where my family has a home and since then they've evolved now we do two like more formal triathlon camps in Martha's Vineyard each year. Plus we've hosted several camps in Majorca, Spain. Um, we've hosted um, Bermuda swim camps. Uh, we've actually hosted a couple camps in Utah and we're looking to expand that to other areas too. We've been brainstorming Colorado. We've been brainstorming um, North Carolina, um, possibly Arizona. So we'll see. <laughs> wow. That's wow. amazing. And those are fun. Those are just like fun, active vacations with people you like. So <laughs> I will do those all day long. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that does sound awesome. Uh, sign me up for all of those. Please, please <laughs> let me know. Um, put me on your mailing list. Uh, 
So, okay. So it sounds like, you know, okay. Empire triathlon club, your guys are crushing it. You guys are doing a great job. Boom. Coronavirus hits, right. And you're in New York city kind of epicenter of, of all of this. What goes through your mind as kind of all this stuff is evolving and it's still evolving, right. You know, but, but kind of in the infancy of it, like, what are you thinking as far as like, Oh, we've got to, turn all this virtual or, oh, you know what, this is going to totally blow over or yeah, like what, what's going through your head as a business owner, but then also kind of as an athlete? Yeah, it's, um, I think it took a little while for it to really hit hard that, okay, this is really serious and this is going to last longer than we think. Um, I remember the last workout that we had as a team in Central Park where some companies were already, you know, issuing work from home mandates and whatnot. And we were kind of like, well, like if we're in the park, like we're outdoors, it's, you know, the gyms were still open and whatnot. So I remember the last workout that we had, it was a group run and joking around, we took like our group photo at the start of the workout where we were all standing like a couple feet apart from each other. And we're like, here we are in the park. And, um, yeah, I think because we were in the middle of a 12-week program, we realized, okay, we need to at least get through the end of their program so that, um, you know, we don't have to, like, end things abruptly before the race actually happens. The race got canceled about a week or two before the, the actual race was supposed to. So... I don't know. It kind of like it, things like slowly evolved over time. It wasn't like on one day we just like, okay, we're switching everything to virtual. It was kind of like, okay, well we need to take the swims off our calendar because the pool now closed and we have to now do this because, you know, we can no longer have the in-person stuff. So it, it was kind of like a slow evolvement. Kind of like the, the different shortages in the, the market. Uh, I saw today, you know, it all started with there was a shortage of toilet paper and then there's this meat shortage and now Peloton bikes apparently are becoming <laughs> hard to come by because so yeah. many people are going virtual working out at home. Okay. What can I do? Peloton. There we go. Yep. Yeah. And you, and you can't get a Nintendo switch anywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can rent, you can rent Zonic though. <laughs> oh, okay. My kids are like really into that. <laughs> nice. Nice. So I, you know, I really think on, on your guys' website, I, I really think you guys had a very well-written uh, and detailed plan that you came up with. I mean, like you said, it kind of evolved over time, but, um, I, you know, I give you guys a lot of credit for really just laying it out there and, and putting in print, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, a lot of people would just be like, yeah, we'll see what happens. But that's something I, I really you know, wanted to compliment you on is how you've handled this. Cause I think you've done a, a really nice job. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Cause it's what, what I think was happening. I mean, I, that wasn't the intent to like post this all, you know, on the website, like this is our, this is our stance. This is what we're doing. But what I was finding is that we were getting a lot of email inquiries, both from members and from prospects for people that were interested in programs, but unsure of what was happening. And I was finding myself rewriting the same email over and over and over again. And I was finally like, all right, well, let me just like start a list and post it public so that when I email somebody back, yes, I, I, you know, personalize it and I answer their questions, but I also send them a link to like, 
here's a running list of the things that we've done and that we are planning to do so that I don't have to keep rewriting the same, you know, the same content over and over in email con in email conversations. No, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so as you've kind of rolled this all out, was there anything like any light bulb moment where you just went, Oh, why didn't I think of this sooner? Like, was there something that came along the lines, you know, six weeks down the road that you were kind of kicking yourself that you didn't think of sooner? Um, the, the app, the team app using cohort has been a game changer because what I think was starting to happen anyways, we've always had Google groups for team communication and it's an email platform. And what we were finding is that people were forming their own little subgroups using WhatsApp or using just text messaging. And none of the communication was happening in any sort of like internal thread that was inclusive of, you know, somebody new would join the club and they're not, they haven't met members yet. So they're not part of any of these small talk side conversations. So we just decided like, all right, we need all this communication to happen to be offered in one place. Obviously people can still have side conversations with whomever they want on whatever channel, but this way we're at least offering something internally that has the opportunity. It's like an all inclusive, everybody can be a part of the conversation and we're not, you know, sending things to the Google group and then they're sending it to a text chat. And we were finding that email, email is a little bit outdated. People want real time responses through text style communication. So that's what the app, um, has been able to offer us, which has been great. And we're going to definitely continue with that. I, I was just wondering, so a, a lot of this has probably brought forth some things that will continue. So there you go. Some problem brought on some changes that will continue even once this ends. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what we're realizing is a lot of, a lot of what we offer can be done virtually it's not the same. I think we'll definitely go back to hosting more in-person stuff as soon as we can, because I think it just brings a different level of camaraderie and, you know, social engagement, but it's amazing to see how much camaraderie and accountability and stuff you can offer through virtual content. I think it is helpful to know the people, but um, just having that online support system, I think has been really helpful at keeping people motivated motivated to do the workouts. Like I, there's a core group of us that all do the Tuesday night, the Tuesday morning strength session. And there's accountability you see on cohort the night before, like, I'll see you guys in the morning, like set your alarms. Don't forget to be there. You know, we switch the time up sometimes. So time reminders of like this week's at seven. So it's a good way to still see people on a regular basis doing the same things that you normally would be doing in person together. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that's been a positive for sure. Is there anything that you guys have instituted that just didn't work or something that you just immediately, you know, head slap moment, like, ah, oh, what were we thinking? Yeah, I think our first response to this was hosting a daily challenge and daily is just very hard to keep up with. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think we pretty quickly went from a daily challenge to this is the training plan and we're going to offer some of these things via social media and make them more public and the rest of it we're going to keep as more like internal communication so we don't have to repost the same content in several different platforms on a daily basis we mm. we really now just like pick one or two and and 
highlight those through our social media channels as like more of a, a public event and the rest of them are still kind of channeled via a program called training peaks is what which is what we've always historically used with the team but we we've just kind of kept we've decided like we're posting things in way too many places and creating a lot more work for ourselves so we just decided to simplify things and not do this this daily challenge but really keep it more of a, a weekly you know couple things a week type of thing so uh, last question here as we wrap up but you know kind of getting out your your crystal ball here what does success look like for the empire triathlon club moving forward both you know now i mean obviously we've kind of talked about what you guys are doing now but you know when you look six months from now a year from now you know what are you hoping to see we we want to help people accomplish their goals and no goal is too crazy we might help steer you in the direction of coming up with more realistic timeframes or more realistic expectations for the goals you've set to yourself. But I really feel like when people, when we come out the other side of this and people are able to start racing again and training like they normally would, people are going to be on fire. They're going to be ready to, to set new goals, set new personal records, do new challenges. So we want to be that go-to place that, you know, we supported you before we supported you through this whole pandemic and we're here to support you after. And whatever your goal is, if you're somebody who's never done any of the three sports and say, you know what, I've learned a lot from these past couple of months. I want to do my first triathlon. Great. We're here to help you do it. I want to do an Ironman. Great. Let's, let's figure out a game plan. It might be a year in the works. You might need a lot of, you know, preparation building up to that, but no, no challenge is too crazy that we're going to shoot it down or turn you away. We're really here to foster community and just positivity. Like there's no, our team, we, we have everything from first timers who have never been in the deep end of a pool before to Ironman world champions who've, you know, placed, you know, on the podium in Ironman events and, and gone on to the world championship. So we're here to, to be an inclusive place, regardless of your age, regardless of your athletic background and your athletic history and, and your current fitness level. You know, we try to push each other at our workouts, but then afterwards, everybody's, you know, down at Whole Foods having a beer together, whether you're the slowest one or the fastest, fastest one out there. So we really try to create this community of inclusiveness. And that's something that we want to, you know, continue to foster as, as time goes on and as we, as we get back to our race season. That's awesome. Well, well said. Well, Allison, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us here today. How can people get in touch with you? Uh, so thank you guys as well. Thanks for having me. Uh, the best way to find us is our website, which is www.empiretriclub.com. Uh, we're also on Instagram. Uh, our account is Empire Tri. And on Facebook, we're Empire Triathlon Club. So any of those channels, um, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can email me at Allison, A-L-I-S-O-N, at EmpireTriClub.com. And yeah, feel free to reach out. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Right. Well, maybe you'll get a little virtual following here in Lancaster, or uh, <laughs> maybe we'll get a uh, podcast following in New York. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Great. I hope so. <laughs> well, thank you thank so you guys. much. Thanks, Allison. Have a wonderful night. You too. Thank Bye. you. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of More Than Medicine. For more information about this podcast, who we are, and what we do, please visit Justin's website, refinemove.com, and click the More Than Medicine tab. Once again, that's refinemove.com. Thanks for listening.